0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the privilege that it is to come together to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ in our salvation. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you, God, for your word now. And as we look at it, we pray, God, you would stir in us. You would work in us. When we leave this place, we will say, look what the Lord has done. I do this for your fame, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You can be seated. And uh, while you're taking your seats, take your Bibles out and open them up to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, that'll be kind of a jump off text for us uh, this week as we look at the topic of missions under the, uh, under the series Vertically Challenged. Our message this week is on missions. Uh, we've been focusing on a number of things as we consider how we live our lives and uh, the first message we talked about was our focus on our purpose and our purpose is to glorify God right um the church's purpose is to glorify god our purpose as individuals is to glorify god we talked about how that vertical life is built on the foundation of jesus christ and that was the the second message in the series if you get those things right you get so much of the rest of life right and then we talked about how coming out of that glory foundation of jesus is a desire for obedience and how we would live obedient lives to what god's word says and then the next thing were very practical messages on compassion and how a right view of God and a right view of Jesus Christ leads us to ministries about compassion and uh and then we want to talk today about focused on missions Um, when you get it right about the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get it right about the calling in our lives, and it takes us as followers of Christ um, to missions. And one of the greatest texts in the Bible about missions is the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. So you've got it open there. Let's stand together now. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to start at verse 16, Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, when they worshipped him, they worshiped him. But some doubt it. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word again that we hold in our hands. We thank you for the opportunity to look into it, to explore it, to hear what you have um, preserved for us, to understand how we live out our lives for the glory of you, God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, through the power of your Spirit. So, Lord, we pray today that as our hearts have been prepared through worship and singing, and as our hearts are now prepared through the reading of your word, God, that you would give us um, ears to hear your word, minds to understand, But then, God, faith. Please, God, faith to passionately live out what we learn. For the glory of our Savior, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. And uh, while you're taking your seats, as we think about this topic of missions, often when we think about missions, we think about others who are going. And uh, that's not a wrong view of missions. There's a part of missions where others are going. Or or maybe we think about it as a, a part where we are sending And uh, so part of the role and the responsibility is the way that we are sending people out. And that's part of missions. I think maybe sometimes when people think about missions, they think about cash flow. And uh, we're going to have money, we're going to have so that we can do some stuff in missions. And uh, none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But they're incomplete if we think that missions is for the corporate church. And we don't think that missions is for us individually? What's our part? What's the calling that God has put on you and me as we consider how we live vertically for the glory of God? And so that's what we want to take a look at today. When you hear the word the Great Commission, most people think of the text that I just read. Um, The Great Commission is this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the... That's what we think of as the Great Commission. Um, The Great Commission is more than just that verse, though. Um, Evangelism and missions are the core to the very heart of God. The Great Commission, the Great Commission, not just a commission to paint a picture or to build a building or to do something, the Great Commission, not a Great Commission, but the Great Commission... Is Jesus' marching orders for his followers, and by extension, they're his marching orders for us. Take a look at this on the screen. The Great Commission is the task given by Jesus to the church through the disciples authorizing the carrying of the gospel so that people can know Christ. The Great Commission is the task given by Jesus to the church. Through the disciples authorizing the carrying of the gospel so that people can know Christ. It's God's plan by which we reach the world. And for us as individuals, it starts after our salvation and our own sphere of influence. It starts with your kids, it starts with your spouse. It starts with your family, and then it expands out to your friends and your neighbors and those you work with and and those in your community, and then eventually to the uttermost part of the earth. That's the Great Commission. But the Great Commission is not something that's just for the church, it's for you and me. And we have a calling in this. If we're going to live lives that are focused on the glory of God, then we have to consider our response to this great commission. A few weeks ago in September, I had the privilege to be in Manila, and uh, while we were there, uh, the pastor who we went to visit with, um, he called together a bunch of his pastor buddies. There were 40 of them in the room, and we did a Great Commission collective presentation um, to uh, challenge them about the kind of things that we challenge ourselves about and whether they would want to become a part of that. And um, we had invited um, Nate Newell, who's the pastor in Kuala Lumpur, to come down to the Philippines with us. And so he did this presentation um, on the Great Commission Collective. And in that, Great Commission is right in the title, he talked about the Great Commission. And he gave an outline um, in that uh, talk that he did that I'm, I'm sitting there listening to. And I go, that's my message for when I go home. So I'm just telling you right now, you can go and check where this came from. I didn't come up with this on my own. I'm totally stealing this outline from him. With his permission. Um, five things about the Great Commission. He said, it's okay, because I didn't come up with my own. I got it from my dad, um, who wrote a book. And uh, so here's what we need to know about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not just Matthew 28. As a matter of fact, the Great Commission, Jesus gives five different commands in five different times at five different places with five different emphases. So it's not just one thing Jesus said once and, all oh, the other guys just didn't say it right. No, no. It was five different commands at five different times at five different places with five different emphases. And today we're going to walk through them and learn about them. But first, let me just kind of set the framework for that. The first time the Great Commission is given, we have the model of the Great Commission. It's found in John 20, 21. Jesus gives this on the day of his resurrection. It's the evening of resurrection day. He's with the ten disciples in Jerusalem. Judas is gone, Thomas isn't there. And uh, John 20, 21 says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, that's the first picture of the Great Commission. It's the model. The second time is the magnitude of the Great Commission. It's eight days later. He's with the 11 disciples in Jerusalem. And in Mark 16, 15, it says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's the magnitude. The gospel to the whole creation. The next one is the method. That's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's one or two weeks later. And Jesus with the disciples in the mountain in Galilee. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here he lays down some of the method for the Great Commission. And then in Luke 24, 44 to 49, some 40 days later, just before the ascension to heaven, he gives us the message where it says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached. And that's in Luke 22. That's the message. And then the last one is the means. The means. You see, we're not called to do this great commission on our own. If we were the, it would be just overwhelming to us. It would be too much for us. And it also is about 40 days later. It's at the Mount of Olives. Jesus is with the 11. He's about to ascend to heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's the means. And so as a church, we desire to be a church that's on purpose. Our purpose statement says, to glorify God through the fulfillment of the... Good. So that was kind of the warm up for you, so you know where to fill in the blank the next time. Okay, to glorify God through the fulfillment of the. Right. That's that's our purpose as a church. Um, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That's our purpose as individuals. And so, in the context of this vertical thinking, the Great Commission part isn't. Oh, I guess we got some job to do, and if I do this, I get a check mark. Um, this is part of what we seek to do to bring glory. To God. So we want to walk through those five things as we consider missions, as we consider the Great Commission, our responsibility as a church, but just as importantly, or more focused today, our our, um, focus on ourselves as individuals. So the first one is the model, is the model. Again, it's the resurrection day. It's in Jerusalem. And Jesus is with the ten. You have to imagine what's going on in their minds, what's going on in their hearts. They just watched Christ and all the things he'd done in his work, and and then they watch him die, and now he's risen. In John 20, 19 and 20, on the evening of of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. God is a sending God. A God sent Jesus Christ. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Uh, Christ came with a specific responsibility, a specific role, a specific thing to accomplish. We'll see that a little bit later in the message. But he was sent by God. And just as Jesus is now saying to them, just like God sent me, now I am sending you. Just like I had a task to do, you have a task to do. We see God as ascending God all throughout the scriptures. If you, if you study them, you will uh, see God as ascending God with Noah. Uh, God needed to preserve his people. He was going to destroy the earth. And so God sends Noah. He gives him a task to do. He's going to build a ship. And he, along with his wife, and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives are all going to be preserved on the ark because uh, God is ascending God, and he uses Noah to save the world. God is ascending God. He sent Joseph to Egypt. You're like, sent him to Egypt? The guy ended up in a pit. and so All in God's sovereign plan to protect his people. And Joseph becomes second in the nation. And, and God protects them. And they're, now they're in Egypt. And uh, God sends Moses. And Moses is going to lead them out. And then they get out of Egypt and they wander in the wilderness and they're coming into the promised land and God sends Joshua uh, to do a job. And then after Joshua, then God sends Daniel and he's in a foreign land living for the Lord, uh, preparing the way for what would come down the road when Nehemiah, who God sent, will go back to the land and he will build the wall. And see, God is a sending God. And Jesus here says, just as God has sent me, now I am sending you he was speaking specifically to the disciples but obviously by extension he's speaking to us and so in this model we have God sending you this great commission is not for the people who work at the church or just for the leaders in the church it's for all of us and God is ascending God That's the first thing we see, the model. Here's the next thing we see is the magnitude of this great commission. Um, This is not a simple task. This is not a narrow task. Again, this is about eight days later with the 11 disciples in Jerusalem. We find it in Mark 16 and verses 14 and 15. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel everywhere around the world. Now, you're 11 people without the tools that we have today, and you've been told, go evangelize the entire earth. What an amazing what an amazing call on their lives what an amazing challenge for them but as we know as we study scripture we see how they were faithful and how they went out and went to the uttermost parts of the earth and the church plant is spreading and all throughout the book of acts we see god growing his church and we see the way that god did that and the magnitude of this task is to the whole creation how does that happen how does that work well, right? it happens through evangelism. It happens through evangelism. I love the fact we have um, stories here. People come and they get baptized and they tell the story of how they've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so we have that sense of, I'll call it corporate. I don't really like that word. But corporate evangelism, things that are done by the church um, I think about Awana. I think of Harvest Summer Kids. I think of events that happen in youth ministry or, or you have a, a men's breakfast and, you know, bring your friend and we we'll need them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have those things, and those are amazing ministries, and they need to happen, and so we have that sense. But we also then would have the sense of, of a, what is personal evangelism. And that's when you're talking to your neighbor or your friend or your, your spouse or your kids, um, and we want to make sure they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this picture of evangelism. In our church, when we talk about missions, we talk about our primary responsibility being about um, church planting. That's our first priority. Uh, our first priority and what we do with our missions investments, our missions, uh, our missions money, our missions time, is in church planting. It's not to say that other things aren't important. When we went to Haiti, we did a a medical thing while we were there as well. And I know people from our church who go out and they do different things. And those aren't wrong things. But when we talk about what we want to do as a church to spread the gospel around the world, we say the primary piece for us is church planting. If you're going out from our church and you're not a church planter, but you're from us, of course we support that and encourage that. But outside of that, we want to plant churches, and the Lord's allowed us as a church to do that, first of all, in Durham, that's pretty close by. In Newmarket, that's pretty close by. He's allowed us to be involved in, in uh, Romania, in a couple of churches there. He's allowed, God's allowed us to be involved in Haiti, and now considering what God might do through our church as we think about the Philippines, and so that the gospel of Jesus Christ through church planting can be spread all across the earth, That's a responsibility we have. But then I look around this room right now, and I think about technology. And I think about how God can work and even is working through technology, through the people in this room right now, or could be, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. I know of people, they've come and talked to me, and they say that... um, You know, Pastor, I've got a friend who lives over in wherever it is, and there's no good church where they are, and I just tell them they need to watch our live stream. It's not for this pretty face. That's not why they're watching our live stream. It's so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just got a, um, a Facebook message from Dan Wong in Hong Kong between the two services today. And he said, uh, he's a, they used to come here. They went to Durham. They're now over in Hong Kong. He's a teacher in a school, um, but trying to be faithful to the Lord over there. And he said, Pastor, thank you for the message today. It reminded me of why we're here in Hong Kong. Technology. Most of you in this room are on Facebook or on some kind of a book. And, and, and many of you today will, uh, you will be sending messages around the world and you'll tell people how cold it is and there was a flurry in the air and there were, will you tell anybody about the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, literally from the people in this room representing dozens and dozens of nations all around the world, we could share the good news of Jesus Christ. See, the task seems so immense. How can we as this group of people impact the world? We can impact the world one person at a time. And what's God using you for in that context? God's given us tools and live stream and YouTube and all those kind of things, but, but what about your testimony? What about what you put up on Facebook or what you will say in a phone call to someone around the world today? You know, when I was um, in the Philippines, one of the neat things about the Philippines, the the time frame is exactly 12 hours difference. And so it's, um, whatever time it is here, right now it's 11.46 uh, in the morning. It's 11.46 at night. So that works great at 8 o'clock in the morning because it's 8 o'clock at night. And I could uh, Facebook message with Sue. I could get on and we could look at each other. We could talk to each other. We could could do that twice a day. Um, And some of you are going to do that today. Will the gospel of Jesus Christ be a part of your message to someone around the world? Or to your neighbor? Or to the person who lives down the road? Um, the magnitude is so immense, but the tools we have are so amazing. See, senders are important, but personal involvement is critical in this amazing, massive task that we've been called to. So the model is we've been sent, the magnitude of this is to the world, to the whole world, to all of God's creation. And then the third picture is that is the method. We find that in Matthew 28, the text we read. And this is uh, the most famous text. It's about one or two weeks later. The 11 disciples are on the mountain in Galilee. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. What I'm about to say to you, God has given me all authority for. So we don't need to worry about this. Is this something we should be keyed in on? Is this something that should be important to us? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me about this. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In the verse before, he said, go and proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And now he says, go and, and make disciples. Go and make disciples. You know, in this text, we could go and focus on so many different aspects of the Great Commission. I, I really want to focus here on this, the method that, that he talks about. Um, and the verse says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Literally, in the Greek, As you are going, as you are going, the Great Commission isn't something that you just turn on for an event or it's Tuesday, we're going to have this thing or I'm going out to do evangelism. Uh, That's all good and there's nothing wrong with that, but the idea, the context and what he's saying here is as you are going along in your life, This becomes part of the rhythm of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ and we want to live for the glory of God as you are going along. Make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations. Um, That's what we're to do. We're to make disciples. That literally means disciplined ones. Um, We're to help people to be learners and imitators of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ had been inviting people to become his disciples all along through his ministry. And now he's saying, the thing that I was doing, that's what I want you to do. I want you to make disciples, people who are disciplined in their walk. Well, how do we do this? Well, he gives two clues in the text. The first one, he says, uh, by baptizing them. Uh, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you go and make disciples by baptizing them. Baptizing who? Those who identify with Jesus Christ. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago over the three services we had seven baptisms. What an amazing story of God working in people's lives, bringing them to the place of salvation and then bringing them to the place where they want to be baptized. And so uh, either uh, Daniel or Jason was in the tank with them and, and they gave a testimony of their salvation and then he he asked them if they' trusted Christ, and then based on their testimony, "I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." and he took them and he put them down, and fortunately, they brought them back up and um, well, why did they do that? They did that because they were they were identifying with Jesus Christ. The baptism, one of the ways, but a, a commanded way where we identify with Jesus Christ. And the other reason that you would be baptized is to be obedient to the Word. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. It's just something you're supposed to do. Um, They that gladly received His Word, Acts 2, were baptized. That's what we do. So in the Great Commission, for people who become disciples of Christ, disciplined one, followers of Christ, you get baptized. And so part of the Great Commission is to see people baptized. Another part of the Great Commission then is to teach them, teaching them to observe all things, all the things that they have been commanded by. I think about well, how do we do that as a church? Well, we seek to teach people through every week we come together and we have services like this and we we teach people. And then you get in small groups in homes and uh, you review and you learn and we teach people. Uh, men's ministry where men are gathered together studying the word of God together so we're teaching people and in women's ministry and young adults and youth and in harvest kids that we're teaching people last night uh, before we came into the service the the guys were praying I love the guys who have young kids in our church on staff and they pray for harvest kids and they talk about how our kids are going to learn from the word of God and they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ teaching them teaching them Daniel talked about a class that's coming up on worship. Teaching them. So we seek to do that as a church. But individuals, we need to be doing that as well. Uh, My wife and I, we need to instruct and teach one another. If you have kids, you need to instruct and teach them teach them the Word of God. Don't, don't pass that responsibility off to the local church like somehow it's Pastor Paul, the elders, and the teachers and a harvest job to teach your kids. Allow us to supplement what you're doing and be a great part of that, but you take hold of that as part of the great commission for your children. You see, the, the method that's given to us is that we would make disciples... By baptizing them and teaching them. That's the method. Well, the teaching and the method for what? Well, for the message. And in Jesus, the fourth time he gives this great commission, 40 days later um, in Jerusalem, in Luke 24:44 to 49, I'm just going to read the last part. Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That last part we'll see in the last point. But here's the message. What is the message of the Great Commission? What is it that we need to tell people? What is it that they need to understand? And so he says, thus it is written. That's a focus back to the Old Testament, to the prophecies and Thus it is written. here's the things that he lays out in this text. That Christ should suffer. That Christ should suffer. There is no salvation without the understanding of a suffering Savior. That Christ should suffer. In Isaiah 53, 3 to 6 it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity Of us all. The Great Commission requires the telling of the story of the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that He was sent by God to come to live on this earth, the perfect substitutionary life for us, so He could die on your behalf. It's a messy salvation. We would love salvation to be about, if I just am good enough, I'll be okay. But that wasn't possible without the shedding of blood. The Old Testament says there is no remission of sins. And so one had to come who could suffer and pay the price that you couldn't pay so that you could have eternal life. And when we tell the story of Jesus Christ, when we tell the story of the Great Commission, it must always include the suffering of Christ. Because without that shedding of blood... There is no remission of sin. The next thing he says in the verse is on the third day. Rise from the dead. It speaks of the resurrection. In John 2.19 Jesus said "Um, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. If Christ is not risen our hope is in vain. Because he was just a schmuck like everybody else who you die and that's the end of it for you. But Christ wasn't like that. Christ conquered death. Christ rose from the dead. The resurrection, I love the way I learned it from somebody, but the resurrection is the receipt. It's the receipt saying that Christ was who he said he was and he did what he said he would do and he accomplished what needed to be accomplished for us. And so in the telling of the story of of the Great Commission, we need to make sure people understand the death of Christ, but they need to understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. And then the verse goes on and it says that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed. That repentance and forgiveness. You see, salvation is not just a, oh, Jesus did this for me. I have this ticket now. I'm going to heaven. You don't earn your salvation. You don't deserve your salvation. It is a gift from God. But believe me, when you understand the gift from God, it causes you to turn You can't be like you used to be. You can't go in the direction you used to go because you understand how awesome the work of Christ is in his death and in his resurrection for you. And so part of the story of the Great Commission is repentance. It's turning, moving in a new way. It's a change of mind. I'm not about me anymore. I'm not about what I can accomplish. I'm not about how I get to God. I'm turned, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what the Lord has done. Now I want to live for him and live for his glory. Death. Resurrection, repentance, and forgiveness of sin. How amazing is the story of Christ's shed blood to cover your sin. So that when you stand before God as a follower of Jesus Christ, you stand just as if you had never sinned. Past sins, present sins, future sin, gone because of the work of Jesus Christ for everyone who puts their trust in Christ. Now, we're okay with that kind of stuff when we think about the little sins we do. Some of you have done some pretty nasty stuff. And sometimes you have a hard time getting past that. All sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all All, all unrighteousness. So salvation requires a repentance, a turning, but then understanding my sin is forgiven. I stand before God with the righteousness of Christ put on me And my sin put on Christ. That's the great story of the Great Commission. That is the good news. That is the gospel. And all of it's available for us through faith alone in Christ alone. You know, it says right in the text, he finishes with, should be proclaimed in his name. Jesus isn't one way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved And so many of us in this room have made that profession of faith. So many of us have made that decision. So many of us are seeking to walk with the Lord. Not perfectly, but moving forward in our walk, trusting him more and more every day. But hey, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, the purpose of the Great Commission is for you. It's for you to understand Jesus Christ accomplished this for you. And if you would put your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation, you too will be saved. That's the message. That's the good news today. You didn't earn it, you don't deserve it. It's an awesome gift that comes from Christ. Today, believe and be saved. Well, that's the message. That's the message. Well, here's the last thing, and that's the means. That's the means. It's 40 days after the the resurrection. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's with the 11 at the Mount of Olives. And in Acts 1, 7, 8, he says this. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of... The earth. The 11 who heard this, they fully comprehended they can't do this on their own. Like, are you kidding me, Lord? You want us to go and spread the gospel to the whole earth? No. I don't want you to. I want me to through you. See, that's where the power is. The power in the gospel is not in you. The power is when you take God's word and God's spirit takes God's word and then people's lives are transformed. People are literally changed. But you will receive power. It comes from the word that we get the word dynamite from. This is going to make a difference when God's spirit is in you. If I thought for a second that the responsibility In this room, for someone to trust Christ was solely on my shoulders, I would go and sit down and never preach again. So it's not about me. I have a responsibility to be faithful, I have a responsibility to fulfill the word, I have a responsibility to bring the gospel strong, but I can't change a single heart. I don't have that power. I don't have that power. And you don't have that power, so don't take that on yourself. You're going to be witness to somebody. They haven't trusted Christ. Oh, no, I must have failed. You be faithful, and you allow the power of God to work, and you watch what he does. See, the power isn't yours. The power is from the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, power you don't have right now. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, This dynamite to make a difference. But you have to be faithful. You have to do your part. Results of the power given to us by the Spirit as we are faithful. Power to serve when it gets hard. Power to surrender our rights and what we think we deserve. Power to save. That power all comes from the Spirit of God. See, what what Jesus said in the text is, You shall be my witnesses. That's our job. You shall be my witnesses. Now, as he's speaking that to them, that would apply to them a little bit differently than it would apply to us. Um, In that there's kind of two parts to this. The first part is that they would be witnesses... They were the ones who were actually on earth at the time. And they are the ones who walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They're the ones who saw him go to the cross. They're the ones who saw him dead on the cross. They're the ones who saw him um, risen from the dead. They're the ones who are with him now as he's about to ascend to heaven. Right? Uh, they're going to be witnesses. It's, it's like a witness who uh, sees an accident. And, uh, and you get to witness it. And so maybe you go to court or you make a statement to the police. Why? Because you were a witness of something. That's in the picture of a crime. Maybe uh, the royal wedding that was on last week. um, People are standing all along the road because they wanted to be witnesses to this thing. They were actually there at the time. And that's part of what they were being called. You shall be witnesses. In 1 Corinthians 15, you can read it when you get home. It talks about all the people who saw the resurrected Christ. And and then it says, and there were 500 others. Many of them are still alive today. They're witnesses. You and I weren't there. You and I, through eyes of faith, have seen and believed because of what we've seen in the truth and the power of the Spirit of God. And we are now to be witnesses of what we understand and what we've been told and what we have received, and that's witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will be witnesses when the power of God's Spirit comes upon you. This person, um, the Holy Spirit, we talked about when we did the message on obedience, talked about the fact that we can't walk in obedience without the power of the Spirit, just as we can't uh, present the the Great Commission, we can't present the gospel with any effect without the power of the Holy Spirit. We were looking at John 14 that weekend and um, verses 16 to 20 say, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will also know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the person who is the power to take the good news of the gospel that we witness and share and transform lives with. This power is from the one who, when you trusted Christ and dwelt you and baptized you into the family of God and seals you in the family of God, he is the one who keeps you. He is the one who fills you. He is the one who intercedes on your behalf before the Father. He is the one who brings us to glory. You will be my witnesses. But not with the responsibility of the change on us, but for the power of God to work through us for his glory. And then Acts 1, 7, and 8 finishes with, uh, You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I initially, when I think about that, I think of rings, right? I think of, first of all, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That's true. And in Judea. And in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And for sure, well, I think for sure, if I don't want to get for heaven, for sure, Jesus was talking about that. But I think there's also another picture that Jesus was giving. Because it's not going to be easy for them, it's going to be tough for them. And as they're hearing those words as good Jews, they were hearing some different things perhaps. How about this? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, the place where Christ was crucified. You'll be witnesses to me in Judea, the place where Christ was rejected. You will be witnesses to me in Samaria, the wasteland that's filled with half-breeds. You know those Samaritans, the good Samaritan story? What would they have to do with Samaritans? And you're going to be witnesses to me to the end of the earth, to the Gentiles. Das. This great commission to them was like, are you kidding, Lord? Jerusalem, okay, okay. Judea, that's kind of us. Samaria, those half-breeds. To the othermost part of the world, those people that we hate. Yeah, and guess what? I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the power. And they went, and they were faithful, and they changed the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ the Lord. Well, so what? So what? We need to be people of God vertically challenged to fulfill our purpose to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission. God uses regular, ordinary people to turn the world upside down. In Acts 17, 6, the followers of Christ have kind of escaped from the city, the, uh, the ones who have come to pre- present the gospel. And in Acts 17, 6, it says, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. How are you turning the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ? They were just regular, ordinary guys. The disciples were regular, ordinary guys, and God used them to impact the world. What's your impact? What's your impact in your world, with your family, with your neighbors, with your co-workers, with um, the people in your community, and to the uttermost part of the earth as you're involved with technology and opportunity to share the good news? You see, the Great Commission, we understand that God is ascending, God, giving us a big task to the whole creation, that we are to make disciples disciplined followers of Jesus Christ through the message of salvation by the power of God's Spirit. God sent Jesus. God sent Noah. God sent Joseph. God sent Moses, God sent Joshua, God sent Daniel, God sent Nehemiah, God sent Jeremiah to do a difficult, a difficult, difficult task. And God is sending you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And go into all the world and make disciples. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Great Commission is the task given by Jesus to the church through the disciples, authorizing the carrying of the gospel so that people can know Christ. And God desires that that work would be done through you and I for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge of it. Thank you for the picture of the Great Commission in five snapshots for us to see, five different focuses for us to see. And Lord, maybe um, today the challenge in our lives for, well, yeah, we love you, Lord, and we want to bring you glory, and we want to obey, and, but Lord, I've never been doing this. Lord, give us courage and boldness understand the good news that we have is the news that the world needs so greatly there's no other name by which men must be saved and we know the name that beautiful name of Jesus Christ Would convict us challenge us stir us change us God to be people living vertically with missions in mind for the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ we pray in his name Amen.